Shavua Tov, everybody, and welcome to Parashat Vayakel Pekudeh. Born on May 8, 1906, Tuvia Belsky grew up as part of the only Jewish family living in a small town in eastern Poland. In 1927, he received military training in the Polish Army, where he eventually became a corporal in the 30th Infantry Battalion. When the Axis powers invaded the Soviet Union in June of 1941, known as Operation Barbarossa, Tuvia and his brothers Zeus and Asael were called up by their army units to fight against the Nazi German occupiers. Tuvia later recalled, Suddenly about 50 planes from the Luftwaffe or German Air Force flew over the town dropping incendiary bombs. In a very few minutes, the entire place was on fire. The commander called us in, ordered us to leave the burning town and regroup in a forest about five kilometers from there. Soon after we began our job in the forest, another wave of planes flew over the area and set the woods on fire. The commander called us in and said, Friends, you are on your own. Indeed, they were on their own. When the Nazis invaded soon after, Tuvia and three of his brothers only narrowly managed to escape to the forest. Many of their family members, as you can imagine, were not so lucky. As documented so brilliantly in the 2008 film called Defiance, Tuvia Belsky decided to lead a group of Jewish partisans who hid along with him in the forest. Although always hunted by Nazis, Belsky's group continued to grow. They periodically raided the ghettos to help people escape. They lived in the forest for over two years, and in their camp, they built a school, a hospital, and a nursery. Tuvia and his courageous crew even managed to attack railroads and roads to save Jews at risk of being killed by Nazis. The Belsky partisans ultimately went on to save the lives of more than 1,200 Jewish people. After the war, Tuvia Zeus and their wives went to Israel and ultimately immigrated to New York in 1956. Tuvia died in 1987 and his remains were later brought to Jerusalem where he was given a state funeral with full military honors. He's buried on Har HaMenuchot. The reason the story of, the, of Tuvia Belsky and his brothers is so inspiring to us today is not only because it is a story of defiance, but ultimately because it is a story of redemption. Tuvia's story stands as a timeless testament that no matter how bleak or scary life may seem, there is always a path to redemption, always hope for a brighter future. In this week's parasha, we also read about a redemption story, though a very different kind of redemption story. This time, it's the redemption of a grave sin committed by an entire nation. Last week we read, Everybody gathered upon Aharon and they told him, Kum Elohim, Make us a God that will replace Moshe. Aharon said, Okay, take off all your jewelry of gold. Bring it to me. And indeed the people did this. They brought all their golden jewelry to Aharon and he made it into an agil, into a golden calf. And this week we read, 
the tikkun, the redemption story of what happened last week. Vayakel Moshe, as opposed to Vayikahel Ha'am, everybody gathering upon Aharon. Now this week, Moshe gathers everybody to build a home for God. And also, Vayavo Anashim Al Hanashim, Kol Nadiv Lev, men and women, all whose hearts move them. All who would make an elevation offering of gold to Hashem came bringing brooches, earrings, rings, and pendants. Listen how much the Torah is emphasizing the gold objects of all kinds. So clearly this is the ultimate tikkun for everything that happened in Parashat Kitesa. Now if you're designing the Mishkan in light of everything that happened in last week's parasha, where are you putting the gold. Maybe humbly off in some corner room where people can stumble upon it and remember the grave sin once committed by Am Yisrael. Maybe outside in the courtyard in the Hatser only, but nowhere inside the premises of the Mishkan proper. And of course, where was this gold commanded to be placed? All over the Mishkan. You can't go two inches without finding gold. And not only that, but in the center of the Kodesh HaKodeshim, no less. The Holy of Holies, sitting as Kerubim, atop the holiest objects in the universe, the Luchot HaBerit, the Ark of the Covenant. We almost cringe when we read about the graven images of these Kerubim. And if this wasn't bad enough, they're made of the same substance that signifies our deepest treachery and disloyalty to our Creator. So the message here could not be more clear. Hashem is teaching us what a truly moral community looks like. An ethical society, says God, is not one in which we hide from our mistakes. The home we build together, as Rabbi Sachs, Alev Shalom used to call it, is one in which we pride ourselves not on being perfect, but on being capable of great change. Hashem is teaching us that the heart of a moral model community needs to be a celebration of this concept of redemption. Not only has Hashem forgiven us fully, but somehow He loves us even more because of our past mistakes. As Rambam states in Elchot Teshubah, when the sinner repents for his sins, these sins are later counted for him as mitzvot. What a revolutionary concept! This is the ultimate form of redemption. And as the Hachamim so brilliantly state, Bimkom Amdin and challenges that Teshuvah, those who have repented, challenges that they are able to overcome, and Sadikim Gimurim Amdin. Even the biggest Sadiq in the world who never sinned would not be able to overcome the challenges of a Teshuvah. And as a side note, what a shame it is, pun intended, that we live in a shame culture today rather than a guilt culture. We live in a culture in which we label people as being evil when they commit a transgression. And instead of giving them a path back to society, we cancel them. We say, that's it for you. Firestorms on social media. That is a shame culture, and that's not the blueprint to a healthy society. Instead, what the Torah is painting for us is a guilt culture, a culture in which we hate the sin, not the sinner in which we place distance between the two and we show that we should distance ourselves not from any people, but rather from certain sins that they commit. That's a guilt culture. That's a healthy society. 
So this is the great redemption arc of this week's parasha, redeeming our sins, a celebration of our capacity for growth. But as we mentioned earlier, there's yet another type of redemption story in our collective consciousness as humans. This type of redemption story is exemplified by Tuvia Belsky and his band of brothers. The redemption, namely, of human suffering. Interesting, isn't it? that there are two types of redemption that mean so much to us and both are so fundamental to the grand story we tell as part of the human condition. Redemption of our guilt on the one hand and redemption of our suffering on the other. And the way I see it in my humble opinion, both are necessary to enter into a covenant, a berit, with God. To believe in God, says the Torah, is not only to believe in God's capacity to forgive us, or redemption of our guilt like we saw in this week's parasha. To believe in God also means to believe in humanity's capacity to forgive God. In other words, to believe in a redemption of our suffering. What would have happened, let me ask you, if after the Holocaust, all Jews decided to abandon their Judaism and their Jewish identity. After all, it was for the simple fact of being Jewish that we were singled out in the first place. Not only did God seem absent during that horrific period of time, but the identity He gave us led directly to our downfall and destruction. But overwhelmingly, that's not how so many Jews responded. Instead, they picked themselves up by their own bootstraps. They refused to adopt a victimhood mentality and they went on to rebuild and establish the state of Israel a mere three years after the Holocaust. Imagine if I told you when you were sitting in a concentration camp in 1945 that in just three years from now you're going to have a state, a Jewish state with a standing army. You would think I was nuts and yet it happened. This is a country that defies all logic just by virtue of its very existence, let alone its remarkable accomplishments in fields ranging from medicine to agriculture to technology. So the concept of redemption is twofold. It's not just about redemption of our past mistakes. It's about knowing that life will always redeem itself, no matter how bleak things seem. In some ways, it's easy to find redemption when we ourselves make mistakes. The real challenge is to find redemption when we feel that God has allowed evil to prevail. We're approaching now the one-year mark since the very beginning of the COVID pandemic. It's hard to believe how much has changed in this short period of time. The world as we know it is completely different. And during my time personally in the hospital, I'm a third-year medical student, These past few months, I've seen so many patients suffering, so many people on the verge of giving up hope. But I've also seen so many of these same patients recover their strength, grow from their experiences, and come to a new appreciation of the life that they've been given. So, you know, I notice it's so fitting Today to be speaking about this, we're seeing the beautiful weather begin to emerge again. The springtime is redeeming the wintertime. All the difficult cold winter, the snow that we've had, the coronavirus deaths, thank God they're declining. So here's to a new beginning. 
So to wrap it all up, God showed us in this week's parasha that He's always willing to forgive us. The real question then becomes, can we forgive Him? We can choose to become embittered by life, victims of circumstance, cynical to any form of redemption of our stories. Or we can recall the great wisdom of Rabbi Sachs, Alava Shalom, who said all cynics are lapsed idealists. Everybody starts off as an idealist. It's only when the, when the going gets tough that some people submit to cynicism. So we can recall the idealism of our youth and like Tuvia Belsky, we can redouble our efforts to rebuild our broken lives. Even after a great pandemic, even after, God forbid, losing a loved one or our business or even our dignity. So the message I'd like to leave you with is this. Just like God never gives up on us, so too we must never give up on Him. That's the true story of redemption. Thank you very much and Shavuot Tov.